You're listening to the WBAI Evening News presented by The Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website now in its 20th year of publishing. I'm John Tarleton, the Indy's Editor-in-Chief. Speaking of education, we'll now turn to Mayor de Blasio's recently announced plan to partially reopen the city's 1,800 public schools in September, which serve 1.1 million students. There are There are a lot of moving pieces at the moment to this plan. To help us make sense of what's happening, we will be joined in a moment by Caliris Salas Ramirez, whose son starts fourth grade in September at Central Park East One. She is the chair of the school leadership team at Central Park East, which oversees the the development of curriculum and monitors how the school's budget is spent. Salas Ramirez is also the president of the District 4 Community Education Council, which represents 23 public schools in East Harlem and advises the city's appointed school board on education policy. She's been deeply immersed for months in discussions about how the city's school system might reopen. She says at this time she will not allow her son to attend class in person. When school resumes, the parents of 1.1 million other New York City public school students will soon have to make a a similar choice as well. Clearest, thanks for coming on the show this evening. Thanks for inviting me, John. Good to be you here. Bet. So uh, right off the bat here, uh, why why are you choosing at, at this time to not send your child back to school when the new school year begins in September? What are the problems you see at, at this point with the preparation for that reopening? Well, first and foremost, I want to say that a lot of other school districts have tried to open across the country, um, and some have some daycare centers have also opened um, in the country, and they have failed at their attempts to reopen these establishments. I don't believe that the mayor nor the governor have provided enough funding in order for our schools to open safely. The DOE has stated that they will provide schools with PPE, but it has not stated what the schedule will be if there's going to be temperature checks. It hasn't stated what they're going to do about ventilation in classrooms. They haven't stated if they're going to install sinks um, or have portable hand-washing stations for children. Um, I think the instruction in general will be disrupted um, by all of these different protocols that need to be reinstated or that need to be instated in order for children and teachers to be safe. Um, In addition, I need my son to have some form of consistency and safety. And right now, the most consistent and safe thing to do is to keep him at home. Mm. And can you describe the the conversations that have been going on about the reopening of of the schools here in New York? Uh, Who are the stakeholders who have been at the table and what what have they been saying? Yeah. Take us up behind the scenes a little bit. Absolutely. So um, I I just got off a health justice call um, that the Moore Caucus from the UFT has put together. Um, In that call, several teacher-led and parent-led groups were present, um, such as ACID, which which advocates for integration of schools, the Yaya Network and Sisters and Brothers United, um, which are groups that have been advocating for police-free schools, um, Parent Action Committee in the Bronx, um, the Healing Centered Schools Network, uh, which is head by the Bronx Defenders, um, looking for healing centered schools and have created a mode roadmap, as well as the Alliance for Quality Education, among others. And we all have centered the conversation 
in the fact that we don't feel like schools will be safe. Um, so parents are organizing, teachers are organizing. Um, there's actually going to be a rally at City Hall on Wednesday. The parents um, are, are organizing. It's a parent-led movement um, in addition to having conversations with educators because we both stand united in saying we need the money in order to support our schools for it to re- for them to reopen. With no money and no resources, it is just unsafe and an an untenable situation for both educators, students, and parents. Um, We're putting our families at risk, and that's something it's, you know, yes, it would be great to go back to school. My son is one that is craving those social interactions and wants to see his teachers and thrives in that environment. However, at this point, we are discussing a situation where it's life or death. It's just, it's just unrealistic. It's either you you send your child to school and run the risk of them um, becoming sick or their educators being sick, or you keep them at home and try to keep them as safe as possible until there is a vaccine. Right. And and, and this uh, uh, rally on Wednesday at City Hall, what time is that happening? Um, I think it's at 2 o'clock. Um, I'm currently not in the city, um, but it, it, it there should there will be social media on it. So um, feel free to look out for flyers that I will be posting on my Twitter, which is at drkysr. Okay, we'll we'll certainly be following that at the Independent as well. And also, um, in reg- uh, can you describe a little bit? I guess going back to March when when the mayor was slow to close the schools down. Uh, why there is a, a sort of a lingering lack of confidence in, in his leadership on, on, on these questions? Yeah, I mean, I think that we knew at the end of February that things weren't looking well, that there were people flying in and out of JFK, coming into the city, and we were starting to see an increase in the rise of COVID. Um, and a lot of educators and children uh, and families were becoming incredibly concerned uh, with the increased likelihood of somebody potentially being asymptomatic um, and being present in schools. Um, And it wasn't until we started seeing cases pop up. Um, In fact, there there were schools where you did have positive COVID cases and the schools were actually told to not disclose that information to the public. Um, And so in turn, um, if we had just closed the schools, Two weeks ahead of time, there would have been a significant, we would have avoided any of these positive cases that have now come up. Uh, We know that over 100 educators um, have been affected by COVID. We know that in school communities. When you say affected, you mean they died, right? Have died, yes. Um, We know that families have been um, gravely affected, even in a small community like mine, where we serve about 150 families. We, we had at least 20 cases. Um, nobody passed away, but we did have 20 positive cases within our school community. None, none of them, educators, but families. Um, so you have those families that are coming in, children that may be vectors and in turn can impact school communities. Sure. Um, and teachers were very vocal um, and were planning a sick out. Um, and it wasn't until there was a rise in that movement that Mayor de Blasio actually called for a closing of schools. I'm a CUNY professor, and even CUNY closed before the DOE schools. Right. And, and, and last question, we'll have to wrap up here in a minute, but uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about 
when the schools reopen about the you know the academics and, and curriculum and, and you know students making up uh, you know lost ground uh, in, in their yeah. studies uh, from last spring. But can you also talk about what you also see as important in, in terms of how the schools need to be mindful of students' uh, mental and emotional needs as well at this yeah. uh, at this time? Absolutely. So one of the things that's really important to state is that, you know, all of these standards of where students need to be are things that have to be rediscussed and reimagined. No child is really behind. There's only, you know, a couple of months can impact some progress, but we should have the ability to reimagine and restate what those standards are and with the understanding of what our children are living right now, which is, They've existed in this time of a pandemic. In addition, they've existed in this time where there's a lot of racial unrest in the country. And the Department of Education serves a large population of Black and Latinx students that have been disproportionately impacted by COVID in addition to having this racial unrest in our communities. And so schools really need to focus on the mental health and support of both teachers and students. Um, we don't have the money to support the counselors and social workers that we need in our schools. Um, we're concerned that children with special needs are re-traumatized um, in these spaces where all of a sudden they won't have the capacity to engage in the environment with their environment and their peers in the same way. Um, we're right. concerned that children are going to be coming um, just with all of these restrictions and not being able to engage. And so, um, it's not just about the academic standards and rethinking that, but it's also thinking about the kind of support for mental health um, and for our most vulnerable communities within our schools. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Kalira Salas Ramirez, thank you for joining us this evening on the WBAI Evening News. And and for the Independent, I can say we'll certainly be following this uh, this story closely heading into August. But thanks again for joining us tonight. Thank you, John. Have a great evening.